This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Thank you very much, Pastor, sir. I'm so grateful. And um, I would share very briefly within this time on the subject of faith. Um, you might wonder why is faith so important? And I would just say this. First of all, you cannot be saved without faith. It is impossible to be saved without faith. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. It said, That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So it is impossible to be saved without faith. As a matter of fact, faith is one of the subjects that every believer must master. That is, we must master it. There is no end to mastering it. We must keep getting better and better and better. Because it is a very important subject, very important reality in the Christian faith. In Romans 10, from verse 6, Paul began to speak and he said, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in your heart, Who shall ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who shall descend, that is to raise him from the dead? Verse 8, he says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth, verse 9, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So he tells you clearly, it is that faith that actually makes a man get saved. But you see, the good news is that God didn't ask us to look for faith. God actually gives faith as a gift. When you read in that same Romans 10, when you go down to verse 17, Paul eventually ended by saying, so then faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the word of God. When he wrote to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5, Paul said to them, he therefore that ministered to you the spirit, doeth he by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. The ministry of the Spirit there and the working of the miracles is referring to the giving of the life of God. He says the way God does it is not by your works. It is by the hearing of faith. Meaning when the gospel is preached, God imparts faith into the heart of the hearer. If that hearer will take what he heard and put it on his lips. Again, I go back to Romans 10 and verse 8. Paul says, but what saith it? He said, the word is nigh thee. He's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 30, from verse 11 to 15. He says, that word is near you. He said, it's in your mouth and in your heart. What word is Paul talking about? He says, the word of faith that was preached to you. And eventually, that is the word that man will now confess that will lead to his salvation. Because in Hebrews 4.2, the Bible tells us the same word or gospel that was preached to us was preached to them. He said, but it did not profit them that had it because it was not mixed with faith in them that had it. You see, that mixed with faith is what your mouth does. Your mouth is the mixer. That is, when you hear it, you must say it. You must say what was preached to you. And you see that all over scriptures, Psalm 107 verse 2, he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
those whom he has redeemed from the power of the enemy. Psalm 91 verse 2, the Bible tells us also, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. So you must understand when the gospel is preached, God by the gospel imparts faith into the heart of a man. And that is the way God does it in anything he wants to do, whether it's at salvation, whether it's for healing. In Acts 14, Paul was preaching in the city of Lystra. Verse 8, 9, and 10, the Bible says there sat a man there who was impotent from his mother's womb who had never walked. But the Bible says the same heard Paul preach and Paul fastening his eyes on him. He said he perceived that the man had faith to be healed. Where did the faith to be healed come from? It came from hearing the words that Paul spoke to him. Of course, in that instance, you will notice, even though the faith to be healed was there, the healing did not happen. Because the thing about faith is, it can be present, but you must activate it. The two basic ways faith is released is primarily by words being spoken, and then by giving corresponding action to those words. So we see that in Lystra, the man had faith to be healed by hearing it, but he was still not healed. Then what did Paul do? Verse 10, Paul said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And the Bible says immediately, the guy jumped up, leaped, and he began to walk. So notice what changed his condition. He was born that way until he heard the word of God. And that word brought faith into his heart. And so you see in this conference, we've been looking at the faith that moves mountain. We are not talking about mountain spiritually only. Because when Jesus said those words in Mark 11... He was referring to a literal mountain. In Mark 11, verse 23, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Jesus said, He shall have whatsoever he saith. And so you notice there, Jesus said to them, This mountain, there was a literal mountain standing there. But what even led to this statement? In verse 14 of that same 11th chapter of Mark, Jesus was hungry and he wanted to eat. He saw a fig tree and the Bible says he looked at the fig tree, didn't find anything on it. So he said to it, no man eateth fruit from thee henceforth and forever. Nine words. And those nine words Jesus said, he didn't say it two times, he said it once and he went on with his business. The following day, verse 20, when they were coming back from Bethany, the disciples took note of the tree Jesus cursed and they realized it had been, you know, it had dried up from the roots. And because they marveled, Jesus said to them in verse 22, have faith in God. Now, what that statement, have faith in God, in the literal Greek means, is Jesus said to them, have the faith of God. And so it was on the basis of what they saw him doing to the fig tree that Jesus had to tell them that this same result that my faith had, this same effect it had on the fig tree, it will also have on a mountain. Now, if you look at the mountain and the tree, the mountain is bigger than the tree. You know, that was Jesus is saying the faith of God will work on small things and work on big things. And it's very interesting because in that very simple statement Jesus made in Mark 11, 23, Jesus makes some things very clear to us. First of all, he said, whosoever. Whosoever means faith will work for anyone. As a matter of fact, if you study the Bible where you realize that faith is an equalizer, faith gives every person equal opportunities. He said, whosoever shall say to this mountain... And I always like to say, whosoever means me soever. Whosoever means you soever. In other words, faith will work for men, it will work for women, it will work for kids, it will work for adults. It will work for blacks, it will work for whites. Because God is no respecter of persons. When Peter got to the house of Cornelius in Acts 10, verse 34, 
The Bible says, Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive, that God is no respecter of persons. Romans 2.11, God is no respecter of persons. Colossians 3, the Bible tells us in verse 25, neither is there respect of persons. Romans 10, 12, the Bible tells us the same God over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And you see, the reason why that is so with God is because all the things of God are done by faith. So Jesus said to them, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. You see, because it is the God kind of faith that will actually move mountains. And it's a very important thing to notice. A mountain is a very overwhelming thing. Now, Jesus didn't say the faith of God will move it and shift it a little bit. He said that faith will take that mountain from where it is and relocate it into the sea. And it's very, very, very interesting to understand the implications of that statement. The sea is an entity that has the capacity to swallow a mountain and make it look as if the mountain never existed before. Meaning whatever faith does, nothing can undo it. And so you understand, Jesus was saying to them, your faith will move this mountain. Secondly, what that implies is that, you see, if a mountain leaves this place, it will change the scenery. So faith will change the scenery of a person's life if the person begins to walk by faith. And that is why it's a very important subject. And I'll say to you, the second reason why faith is important for us to learn is because, you see, it is only by faith we can give expression to the life of God. The Bible tells us in Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. The Bible tells us also in Romans 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. He said to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Verse 17, he said, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed according as is written, The just shall live by faith. Romans, the Bible tells us in Galatians, rather, chapter 3, 11, that no man is justified by the deeds of the law before God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10, 38, now the just shall live by faith. He said, well, if any man draw back, my soul shall take no pleasure in him. That is the only way to live the Christian life. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, the seventh verse, Paul speaking said, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so you've got to understand, it is something that is non-negotiable for the believer. You must master the subject of faith. The subject of faith, Jesus ensured he taught his disciples before he left them. And you will notice that these disciples really learned well. Because Peter, the Bible tells us in Acts 3, when Peter was going in the hour of prayer, himself and John, they met a man at the beautiful gate who had been crippled also from his mother's womb. And Peter said to him in Acts 3, 6, he said, Silver or good have I none, but such as I have given unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When they questioned Peter, how did you do this miracle? He said to them in Acts 3.16, he said, the name of Jesus and faith in his name has made this man strong. So he said to them, in other words, I did this miracle by faith because he had learned faith from Jesus Christ. But in the next few minutes I have left, I will say to you, there are some facts about faith we must master. And the first thing is that we must understand faith is largely based on knowledge. Faith is largely based on knowledge. It was F.F. Bosworth who first said this statement, but it was popularized by Kenneth E. Hagin. He said, faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know what is the will of God, you cannot be said to be acting in faith. You see, faith is an act, but not all acts are acts of faith. What makes an act an act of faith is when it is based on what the word of God says. And that could be essentially the written word, 
the most important one, the written word, and of course, words God will give to us when we spend time fellowshipping with him. And so you understand, faith is largely dependent on knowledge. We need to know what the word of God says. You know, Kenneth Hagin used to say, find scriptures that cover your case, then stand on those words. That is how to receive things from God. So we must know what the word says. The Lord Jesus emphasized knowledge a whole lot. Scriptures tell us how important it is for us to know. Because as a matter of fact, to not know is not a good thing. Psalm 19, sorry, Proverbs 19 verse 2. The Bible says also, for the soul to be without knowledge, he said it is not good. And truly it is not good because it will make you inferior. Job 13, 2. He said, what you know, I also know. I am not inferior to you. Job 12, 3. He said, I have understanding just like you. I am not inferior to you. In the writing of Paul to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34, Paul said, Awake unto righteousness, sin not. He said, For some have not the knowledge of God. He said, I say this to your shame. And that was Paul is saying, It's a shameful thing to be without knowledge. Hosea chapter 6, chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, My people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. The word destroyed there means they go into silence, the place of the dead. So to be without knowledge is a very bad thing. Without the knowledge of the word, you cannot flow in the power of God accurately. Matthew, Jesus said in chapter 22, verse 29, you err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Because you see, without the knowledge, you cannot really see the fullness of the manifestations of the things of the spirit of God. And so we must prioritize knowledge and know truly what the word says about different subjects. But most importantly, we must know what the word says about God. Many people have strange ideas about God but not from God's word. Many also have strange ideas about devils. You see, anything anybody says about Satan that is contrary to the word of God is a lie. People say all kinds of things in movies about Satan that we don't find in God's word. The devil is exactly what the word of God says about him. Defeated. 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 Completely defeated. And you must know that. The same way you must also know God. And that's why, you see, it is in fellowshipping with God in his word that we get to know him well. And you see how in scriptures, one of the ways we can know God is by reading his word. You know God by reading the word. Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 13, till I come, give attendance to reading. The Lord Jesus had a custom of reading. Luke 4, 16, he went to Nazareth where he was brought up. And the Bible tells us on the day of Sabbath, he went there as his custom was, he stood up for to read. Jesus challenged the Pharisees to read. In Matthew 12, 3, he said, have you not read? Matthew 12, 5, he said, have you not read? In Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, Jesus said to them again, have you not read? In Mark 12, 10, Mark 12, 26, he said, have you not read? Jesus said to them also in Luke 6, 3, have you not read? In Matthew 21, 16, he said, have you never read? In Mark 2, 25, he said, have you never read? It was a custom of the Jews, Nehemiah 8, 8. The Bible says they read from the book of the law and made the people to understand the reading. So I want to leave you with this challenge. Prioritize knowledge of the word of God. God bless you.